Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Conferred Culture, brought to you by Timotheries, the podcast where we talk about the topics that many of us are passionate about. I'm your host, Chris Murphy, and this week I'm joined by... Subjectivity... what? No, I'm just kidding. Tim Kiefler. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason why Tim reacts that way is because he knows what this episode is going to be about, because we discussed a little bit beforehand. So... Uh, this week we're going to be talking about objective versus subjective quality in terms of art could be anything really. Um, Tim's here to bring the art, uh, portion of it. Uh, I always bring the art though. (laughs) I know you do, but like, uh, you know, could be anything, uh, movies, film, books, whatever. But, uh, as always, um, but, uh, I'm going to let Tim sort of steer this one a little bit because he has extensive notes and I'm really interested in his, um, sort of opinion in his experience and and you know i'm just gonna like sort of uh pop in here and there to (laughs) to sort of give my two cents and play off them but like that's that's kind of how it's gonna go yeah and so like uh exactly so with that uh little preamble out of the way um what do you think of when you think like objective versus subjective tim so uh with my uh, I, I, I had, I was going to say something about my art experience and I felt like it was pretentious or pompous to say. So <laughs> that's why I paused for a second there. Um, so in my experience with this stuff, uh, I've always sort of lent myself towards the subjective side of things because of as much as I'm an analytical thinky person, I am very much an intuitive person and, um, when it comes to creativity, I I just kind of can flow with my feelings, which is like so hard for mm-hmm. me to do otherwise. But that's like Fair that could be a whole other topic to itself. Um, yeah, let the force flow through you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, seriously though, like sometimes I've had some really interesting uh, creative um, like experiences because of my. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know what you say, but like my robotic way of dealing with my feelings. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I can get down with you can that. Relate, I mean, you can relate to that. Oh, for sure. Like hundred percent. I mean, uh, we, we're pseudo similar. around the similar kind of age. I say yeah. that loosely because I think you're, what are you? 36? I am turning 36 next April. I'm still. Yeah, exactly. So you're like, you're, you're about six years. Yeah. You're like six years younger than me. Yeah. So, I mean, but every day uh, you remember, yeah, you remember (laughs) the, uh, haha. You remember the, uh, you know, growing up, uh, men don't have feelings, hold it down. Don't show any emotion. The thing I'm sure you went, you, you saw that like growing up as I did. I've lived. And, um, yeah, I mean, I was just talking about this with a friend earlier today where it's like, yeah, um, you know, growing up, you're taught not to have any feelings. So I 100% can relate to that because it's only probably in the last maybe five or six years I've started dealing with them in a constructive way. So that's, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. So for those of you joining us for the very first time, we, we love to talk about art and popular culture and we usually find a way to bring it into the, the everyday because that is my one of my kind of mission statements in my creative life is anybody can be creative you just have to find um your your output and how to make it happen right mm-hmm. like like any skill art can be art can be learned so certainly back to the subjective thing i think yeah. i think what i always enjoy about 
these kinds of broad topics that we do, whether they're like crosstalk videos or uh, on your podcast, Chris, I like to mm-hmm. like define the word first because <laughs> fair enough. I think if we have a definition of the word, at least from my definition, we can okay. potentially uh, address any 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 feedback or commentary that comes. Because, like, let's be honest, this is this is a broad topic. <laughs> oh yeah, it's super broad. So now, yeah, it's it's funny that you do bring that up because I so I I have a job where I deal a lot with with statistics, which um numbers are. I wouldn't even say numbers are, f- are fairly objective, but um, it it's sort of deals with like statistics is um, like the, at least the, the practice of it is, is fairly objective and it tries to um, be as objective as possible. So, mm-hmm. but on the other side of that, like numbers and statistics and, and even like graphs even are like super subjective and, you yeah, depending on how you yeah and depend on how you interpret it or how you present it um um makes them subjective so it's 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 interesting which Absolutely. is why how i came up with this topic in the first place actually because i was but, thinking about that not but not to like not to well i guess i could i could uh pump your tires but not to pump your tires intentionally <laughs> but i think you're usually pretty good at coming up with lots of interesting discourse topics like not gonna lie, you, I think you've given me like sixty-five percent of the crosstalk topics that we've gone. Yeah, through. nice. Maybe more. Sweet. I don't know. I don't want to give you too much of an ego. Yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> my ego's like it's too late. I'm already. It's already. You're already made up. Can't put through the door now. No, uh, but seriously, um, and it's one of those things like you just mentioned earlier. It's like you just a matter like you can be creative and just a matter of finding your output. And it's like yeah. I don't consider myself a creative person, but like. I came up with those top and like I'm running this podcast. You know what I mean? So, and you're friends with me. So, you know, I only <laughs> hang out with creative people. So there you go. You gotta, you gotta pump your own tires up now. <laughs> so anyway, sort yeah, of back so to let's talk about the definition Cir- of subjective back. and objective. So, yeah. So uh, how do you, how, what's your definition? So them? I would define subjective is being based or influenced upon by your personal feelings, your tastes or your opinions. So, mm-hmm. It's, it's literally anything of which you have an insular or inner voice about, not something that, not something that you can observe, but something that you, um, yeah, God feel or, Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, can think and reflect upon. Right. Yeah. Or influenced by like personal biases. Like if you want to if you look at a statistic that says, um, you know, with all, I don't want to bring up the racial stuff, but it's like the first thing that pops into my mind because it's prevalent in society right now where it's like, oh, like, you know, um, black on black crime is like the X percentage, right? And if you're looking yeah. that for that to say that, like, that means that like black people are inherently violent, then that's what you'll see. So it's inherent. It's like influenced by your personal bias. Now, that's an example of it being negative. But it can be a positive thing too. Yeah, and 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 the thing is, like, you can use statistics and numbers, like anything, uh, for um, not altruistic reasons, right? It's mm-hmm. it's really easy to take take 
something um, and and give it a tone or give it in um, give it a feeling like that's why um, I'm trying to think of the right word right now here but when you <laughs> when you think of like an inanimate object and you make it uh, is it anthropomorphic that's not I think right yeah, anthropomorphize yeah I think I think that's uh, what you're going for. Yeah, like you can give it an identity, you can give it a a sense of uh, morality and justice and all that kind of stuff, um, just through, like you said, your own biases. So I think I think that can happen with anything. And oh, it, well, totally. Like it's one of it's. I find it hilarious when people talk about like media or they talk about. Um, lawyers or juries or whatever or judges and they're like no you have to be unbiased and impartial i'm like that doesn't exist yeah there's no such thing as a it's impossible there's no such thing as unbiased yeah it doesn't exist anywhere so so conversely when we talk about objectivity um an objective is 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 literally the object so in other words the 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 thing or goal of a person's efforts or actions. So, mm-hmm. so an objective is something that is exists, like it it is physically in space. So I think of subjective as internal, objective as external, right? Exactly. Um, like I am, and they do this all the time in atheist experience YouTube video that I watch. It's like because they point to people as like objectively because they talk about objective truth, which isn't really a thing. But yeah, um, they're like, like objectively, this is a glass of water. Objectively, yeah. you can look at it and see that it is a glass of water. That is an objective thing that is true. Correct. It, yeah. It's 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 visible. It. Um, it exists in your space. Like you can interact with it. Anybody can interact with it. So therefore it is objective because mm-hmm. it is an object. Um, so further extending that idea, not influenced by your personal <clears throat> feelings, your interpretations or your prejudices. Um, although you could try to place those onto it, but that goes back to what I said earlier. About it. Um, then it becomes a subjective thing. I think becoming subjective. Um, yeah. It's based on facts, which are unbiased. Uh, and intent upon or dealing with things external to the mind rather than with thoughts or feelings as a person or a book. So mm-hmm. um, that is that is how I view objective things. So in relation to art, I'm going to make that same stupid joke I always make when we do these. I'm going I'm to make <laughs> I'm gonna, Of course, I'm gonna, I'm I would say, expect nothing less. I would expect nothing less. <laughs> uh, objective is technical aspects of art and subjective is conceptual aspects of art. So now we've wrapped up the episode. We can uh, end it here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we saw, and I'm going to follow it up with my typical jokes. Like we solved all the world problems and like, and what, what did it take us? Like 11 minutes. Basically. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, but I think diving into it a little bit further, it's more of like, it's like anything else. So like, and, and I take it back to kind of my, the, the job I kind of am kind of all involved with. It's like, there's objective, uh, qualities that you should try and imbue like statistical data with, like you should try and make it unbiased. You should try to, um, uh, account for outliers. You should try to like, like what is the like story you're trying to tell with the data? Like, um, 
or objectively like how do you get it where do you get it from like how clean is it like all those things like and you know it can be referred to as metadata like how mm -hmm. often is it refreshed like stuff like that so like objective things about it but like at the end of the day you could show it to somebody and then they could look at it and and say like that's subjective and i yeah. think with art they're objective like techniques that you're like as you've mentioned to me before like when you were going uh when you were taking art in school there's objective techniques that you probably learned mm -hmm. and and things that you probably like you know can master you, you, yeah yeah um but then uh i think the more interesting pieces of art are created with like subjectively breaking rules or using different techniques I, so like I, I, a really good example just came to my mind actually uh the rule of thirds in, photo in photography specifically so like mm -hmm. that is a technique that most people use and especially when they're doing um uh, portrait photography correct now it's like it's an, an objective technique that a lot of people use and it's a thing that you know uh, it's a tried and true method like if you're taking a shot this is what you should keep in mind blah 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 but there are a whole bunch of reasons why you would subjectively break that rule and Correct. it depends like if you're subjectively going for a certain look in your photo um like I remember a friend of mine, he used to do wedding photography and it's like, if he was going to do like use the rule of thirds to take a shot of this guy giving his speech, um, like the, um, where the, the lines cross in your, in your photo, if you know anything about it, you split a photo into three parts and I where do, the line yeah. three, three. Yeah. So like three equal parts where the lines intersect is where you want your, your point of focus to be. Now you would do that on the eye normally, but what he did is he did it on his lapel because uh, he was wearing something of a sentimental value and that's what he wanted to focus on because he wanted to uh, convey the emotion of the moment. Right. So, you know what I mean? It's like he's breaking that objective rule to uh, subjectively convey something different. Right. So, so what happens when it comes down to it is uh, very simply, if you understand the foundational elements of anything, you can... Um, you can learn to master anything because you understand what makes it whatever that subject or object is because it's um, it's you have the capacity to shift that focus like you just described and I was actually going to use that um, mm -hmm. because oh, sorry. I think I think focus <laughs> is actually a I wasn't going to say fo I wasn't say focus about photography but I was going to say the focus that you take um is actually what dictates the tools you use so in in so many schools of thought on art uh in terms of fine art or art history air quotes mm -hmm. air, art history um the focus <laughs> is always on certain ideological viewpoints and we talked about this bef the other day when we were um kind of coming up with well i was coming up with my cole's notes of this yeah um I can look at any history, any period of history through what I've been taught in art history, and I can point to the motivations or beliefs or stylistic choices that they make and how it's kind of influenced over time and like see those patterns. But you can do that with anything. And so like what you just described with the wedding photography of, okay, here's the technical things that you learn, but here's how mm -hmm. you can interpret those things to tell a narrative that's mm -hmm. literally what art is is 
taking what exists already and what you know, and then putting your spin on that. And we talked about that in a previous podcast episode of like, how do you, how do you ever make anything new or can anything new exist? It was uh, like the criticism one, I think the criticism episode. Well, you said, like, like, can uh, there, can being there be, critical. is there such thing as new ideas or can there be new content? And I, I yeah. said that absolutely you can, because no one can ever have the exact sensory uh, experience that you have and nor can they have the uh, life experiences that you have. So everybody is always going to put a slightly different twist or take on something. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like when we talk, we, we talked about this exact thing when we were talking about Knives Out, right? We were talking about um, how Ryan Johnson, he doesn't, like he takes things that like, um, he takes genres that already exist and then he puts his own little spin on them. And, and I equated it to like, uh, learning a song on a guitar and then going, getting to the solo and putting your own little, like just tossing a couple extra notes in there. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, I, I think this is, I, this kind of fits into that too. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, there are some objective truths, air quotes, uh, within that <laughs> film, but the, the subjective aspects of it are how the narrative moves along and how it relates to different shows or uh, popular culture that's come before and rules that we understand about um, mysteries and things like that. Right. So what, what, what makes that film so great is, is that um, it's, it's not in spite of the content it's because of the content and what Johnson does with it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, Mm-hmm. Um, the example that I was actually going to use, so use photography. I was going to use the example of riding on a roller coaster. So, really? um, and this is one of those, those classic Tim Keeflers where I just like come up with something on the fly. Like I write extensive <laughs> notes, but then I, I come up with my, my story on the fly. Um, well, that's, that's the best stuff, man. <laughs> so just like any art, um, someone has to design the architecture of the roller coaster and the emotions that they're hoping to evoke. Um, through the different twists and turns and the aesthetic that they create and the, um, you know, just like the, 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 the scale of the ride, all those kinds of things. Like, I don't know how many people think about it in that way. And maybe like, I'm like a rare breed, but I can see that as, 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 as being an artistic expression for the designer of that roller coaster, because they're trying to just, dis- they're trying to determine like, how is the person going to feel about this? What is, what's going to happen when they go through this turn or that turn, or if we flip them upside down or we put them through a wind tunnel or we drop the floor out from underneath them. Like I, I will admit, I have not been to any of the major parks in the world um, mm-hmm. because um, it's just not something that I was like actively seeking out when I was started traveling. Like I was more interested in, cultural experiences but i guess like mm-hmm. you could look at that as a cultural experience but anyway um but i've been i to don't enough... even like roller coasters to be honest fair enough they make me motion sick but like and, i've been on enough of them, them to them know that they're different themselves. like right everyone's yeah. got a, a, a different experience to it and mm-hmm. but what i was gonna talk about with the subjective aspect of it versus the objective aspect of it is the ride exists independent of your feelings about it so it's going to have the structure to it. It's going to have the the loops and the, like I said, those those sharp turns. And it's going to have the 
the part where it goes and I like the snake shape where it goes up and down and up and down, all those different things, those things are going to exist independent of your expression of them. But mm-hmm. how you as an individual take that feeling in, you could feel like you just described like motion sick, or you could feel elated, or you could feel scared, or you could um, like have physical whiplash. Like there's a bunch of things that can happen, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so that's, I think, as weird of an analogy as that is, that's like where it becomes art because what the person's created is that is no longer in within the realm of their personal feelings. It's now out in the world mm-hmm. and how everyone takes that object in is going to be completely up to them. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. So, and that's like one of the coolest things that I find about art actually is that you could have 50 different people look at, let's say a painting, for example, and you could get 50 different reactions. And that is so cool. Yeah. And, 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 and so when we look at art, when we look at things that are creative and we say, oh, well, you know, it has to be this, that's what they meant. Or, oh, no, 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 no. This is much better than this because it evokes this technique much better or this feeling much better. At that point, it's automatically subjective because the person mm-hmm. is is inflicting their biases. I think, I think I said this before too. But I was like, I'm okay with people being art art critics, art critics, or having art criticism, but like, mm-hmm. I'm wildly against people being assholes about it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Something I need to learn to be better about. But like, yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. Like, you don't have to like something. You could look at, people look at Jackson Pollock stuff all the time and it's like, oh, like you just flicked art at a canvas where somebody else can look at it and it's like, this looks really cool. Or like my kids did um, with their mom's help. You know that uh, uh, a paint pour, this uh, yeah. craze that's kind of, you know. It's taken so they over. Pour, yeah, it's kind of everywhere. It's all over Facebook and social media and stuff. And so they've done a whole bunch and like they made a couple for me that's like on my wall right now. And like, Oh, there's porn paint on canvas, but it looks really cool. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah. yeah. And so it's interesting because when I hear people making that kind of art or talking about it or describing it, I have like this almost like gut feeling of like, oh, well, I can't speak about this because I've taken formal training and anything I say is probably going to come out pretentious. Pretentious. Or- <laughs> So like it's like this weird place to be in. Um, I think mm, it was yeah. Thoreau, the philosopher. He talked about like morbid thinkers. Like I'm a morbid thinker when it comes to art because I've I've spent so hmm. much time with it that um, and like I'm just naturally a thinker, right? Like yep. I, I spend a lot of my physical energy in my head. <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, it does. I'm I'm right there with you. Not in your head, but thinking spending time in your own head. So like when people talk about those things, I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's great. I'm glad that you're able to enjoy that. Um, but I just hope they don't ask me what my taste is or what my, my personal preferences because depends uh, who it is. Cause sometimes if you like, if I ask you, it's one thing, if it's somebody that you could maybe just met, <laughs> that might be a different story. Yeah. Because like my personal taste is my personal taste like it's not it's not like my personal taste matters 
where anybody's personal taste matters. And you know what? There's probably a billion influencers out there or tastemakers or whatever the fuck they're calling themselves now who would Mm -hmm. say otherwise and say, well, my opinion does matter because it gives all these people hope and lets them, you know, have become better. Well, yeah. If someone's looking to emulate another person's taste, then great. Yeah, absolutely. Share your tastes, make it, make it readily available, spell it out, paint by numbers it. Cause that's what it is. You're saying paint by numbers. Here's how to dress like me, or here's how to cook like me, or here's how to, um, here's the movies you should watch. (laughs) The movies you should watch. Like, yeah, the music you should listen to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know, and it's I, I we talked about this during the the critical, the uh, the uh, podcast episode about criticism. It's like you can be constructive about it. Like constructive criticism is, is completely different, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's way too much negative criticism out there where people just like, you know, because I'm that's what gets views these days on YouTube. It's just like if you tear stuff down, right? And, um, cause, cause people, it's that whole schadenfreude thing, right? Where yeah. they're like, you know, you're just laughing at the misfortune of others at that point. So yeah, there's, there's like way too much negative stuff, but if you really, if you really want, if your goal is a, like, if you want to be a professional critic and you really want people to be, to like make better, maybe not necessarily better, but like more meaningful art and what doesn't matter what that is, then maybe yeah don't be such an asshole like you said right <laughs> like offer more constructive criticism be more constructive with your feedback as flair the concord says <laughs> <laughs> have you heard that that song uh, uh no i i you know what i never really got into him all that much but everybody says versus the rhinoceros yeah that's what everybody says and i keep meaning to check them out and i just it's really funny it. um but it's yeah, a, that's it's what a, everybody says it's it's a, it's a it's a great expression of that idea which is like okay, so what, like, in, in hip-hop, like, people berate each other's lyricism and melodies and beats and all that stuff, and it's like, okay, so you've done that, but, like, how's that going to make me better? You're just tearing me down. So, like, the, in their, their rap, they make kind of a joke about it. And, and and so, like I said, I've always taken that kind of stuff to heart because uh, I another classic Timothy theories. I, I believe you can't have heart without art, right? So yep. I take it to heart because I think it's an expression of who I am. How can you possibly take that away from me? Like, like that's like, like leaning towards like, not that we want to get political, but that's like leaning towards like fascism or bigotry or Mm -hmm. any other oppressive regime that's ever existed (laughs) yep right yep and again i've I've talked about this before on blog posts and stuff but it's like i've always identified as other to most uh ideological viewpoints because of that passion for art and so while i cannot sympathize with people who go through different kinds of adversity because I'm not their gender or their creed or ethnicity. I can, I can empathize with them because I can feel those feelings. So anyway, I I feel like I went on a bit of a tangent there, but (laughs) no, it's fine. It's all good, man. That's why, that's why you're here. (laughs) Yeah. But like, that's what, that's what, that's why I think 
art criticism is important, but I also think that you can't assume authority on art. So like you can be a voice, but you can't be the voice and fuck that show also at the same time. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about it. Ugh. sorry if I alienated like 30% of your audience. I don't know. Maybe it's, I don't know. I don't think my audience is that big at this point, so it's (laughs) fine, (laughs) but yeah, no, it's, it, that see that but no that's a good ex- it's fine because it's a good example of subjective opinion yeah <laughs> i don't like that show either <laughs> so oh, yeah so a subjective yeah, no, claim no, you, can't, you, you can't always be the loudest voice in the room and you can't be you and and by that like i, I especially mean you can't be louder than literally everyone else correct so yeah so subjective claim cannot be proven right or wrong by any generally accepted criteria because it is <laughs> Based on your feelings, your tastes, your right. opinions. Those are yours. They belong to you. That's right. So we, when we say fuck that show, <laughs> we mean it from the bottom of our hearts, not necessarily everybody else's. Exactly. So, <laughs> um, so, and then, so going over to what an objective claim is, um, it can be true or false because it's still a claim. It's not, so we had a little bit of a debate about this. About something being objective claim, and I, I I can let you talk a little bit more about that because I feel like you're okay. a little bit more articulate on it. But okay, an objective claim can be true or false, but just because something is is claimed to be objective does not mean that it is true. But it can be proven true or proven false, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. um, as an example of that, like we can talk about the color of the sky and observing things about the color of the sky, but how we determine what makes the color of the sky could be disproven. Someone could say it's blue because of this, this, and this. And then another person comes along and says, well, it's actually because of this, this, and this. That's where we can start to determine why that's the case, right? So, yeah. So, like, the objective characteristics that make the sky blue can be proven by science. And those are the objective facts about it correct what could be subjective although i suppose you could debate this but like if somebody's colorblind to blue they may not see it that way that's why i said color that's why i didn't say did i say blue no you just said color yeah okay that's that's you just said color but i'm just i'm just saying like i could see blue and somebody else who is colorblind to blue and sees blue as i don't know green yeah it's like no what are you talking about that's green you know what i mean so like it could be subjective that way. Like, I mean, like we talked about, I mean, I don't know. Like it, like I said before, I mean, like I'm like the glass of water is the best example I could think of for you being can think objective, of, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah Cause like it, you're, you're looking at it. It's a glass. There's water in it. It's a glass of water. Mm-hmm. Now, subjective, a subjective thing about that could be the glass of water is full and full could mean different things to different people. It could mean all the way to the top. Mm-hmm. Or it could be like, like to me, full is like not quite, but I don't want my water spilling when I'm drinking it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's subjective about that glass of water. That's right. Like how do you define full? That's right. Because it's it's your interpretation. It's your, uh, your personal feeling about <laughs> what that, what that word that is all innately, um, subjective yeah exactly means right now if you were to say like this glass has 600 milliliters of water in it that is 
that can be um, proven or disproven. That is a fact that can be objectively proven or disproven. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. See, we got this. We we can do this. This is easy. Oh, totally. Like, man, you know, it's it's funny, like, just watching the atheist experience so much, and they have to deal with that a lot. Like, you know, people, you know, uh, basic people who, who talk about objective morality a lot, right? And so they, they, they say, like, here's an example of object. They always use, they always use either... Uh, they they always use the glass of water as objective. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like so. I've 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 heard it so much that it's like <laughs> I pretty much under I pretty much got a pretty good grip on it. I think at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I don't a hundred percent hold to this, but I generally hold to the idea that more morality is relative, right? Because mm-hmm. it's based on it's based on what you are raised with and what you determined for yourself so exactly and it changes uh based on the society you live in and well what point in time you live in and um multiple other factors surrounding you so yeah and like not that i'm like a huge advocate like nietzsche for example but um he's like a big big proponent for that ideologically right so there it's like god is dead there's nothing that we can nothing that we can know for certain because uh, I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but that that's where that general, he was like, the, I think he's like probably the biggest advocate for that in Western society. Right. So, okay. Uh, which is ironic considering that I'm not, I'm not a atheist, right. I'm, I'm <laughs> see, well, I am. And I'm like, um, I, I'm not familiar with the guy at all. See my whole thing about like God's dead is like, um, something can't be dead which i don't believe in the first place <laughs> right well and it's, but that's it like a more whole like a, other rabbit hole it speaks more to like a historical period and mm-hmm. uh, um yeah again, i don't want to have a philosophical debate because i feel like <laughs> I'll take, yeah. i just i way I, more time than we have on this podcast well, like i would enjoy it like don't get me wrong oh, I would it's enjoy fun it. sure but like i just don't feel like that's what we came here to do so <laughs> no not not really no no so, that could be that that's a, that's another discussion for another time. So, um, kind of just leaning off into that or off of that or whatever the whatever your preferred adjective is, um, I wanted to mention how religion is absolutely subjective. Um, and oh, yeah, there's, there's two ways that we can look at that. Is first, it's a practice that involves inner experiences and sentiments. I think we can mm-hmm. all agree with that. Yeah, yeah. No, no matter like it's what, it's not based on any objective uh, factor, reality, or anything like that. Yeah, no, no, no matter what your what your ideological viewpoint is, or <clears throat> spiritual viewpoint is, or lack of spiritual viewpoint, I guess we, I think we can all agree that when someone does have an inner belief system, if it's dictated by a religion which has tenets, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be primarily driven by your own inner feelings and sentiments about it yeah and it also has a a a great great deal to do with what part of the world you grew up in funny enough people who grow up in the middle east turn out to be muslim most of the time it's funny super hilarious yeah so that goes back to the moral racism thing that i was talking about right exactly so So like if if you're born in north america chances are you're going to be like christian yeah like whichever denomination and depending on the denomination that you end up being largely like, so where I grew up, most people were Anglican, 
even though uh, a lot of population of Newfoundland is Catholic, but there's almost no Catholics where I grew up. So uh, if you grew up in my hometown, you probably Anglican or you were uh, you're either Anglican Pentecostal or what I grew up as being a part of the United Church, because those were the three churches in there. There's like there was a Catholic church, but for whatever reason, just not a big Catholic population. Yeah. So as I grew up, like uh, I knew I don't know if I knew really any Catholics, which is funny because if you go to where my dad grew up, there's like almost everybody's Catholic. And because that's, you know, the church, that's where everybody there's like a little bit of unit. But again, so that's what I mean, right? Like the community that established there, what, whatever they bring with them is typically what you end up being indoctrinated into, I guess. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. To, to bring it to your point, yeah, it's absolutely 100% subjective. Yeah. Yeah. So then the other aspect of it is that um, it's primarily a matter for theology and philosophy, right? So what I mean by that is it can be something that is, is, dictated by concepts that you decide upon like and people will say well like these this is how this is what's dictated for me and i say well how come there's so many as an example of christianity how come there's so many different factions of it because people have these debates these theological Mm -hmm. and philosophical debates about the religion itself which leads to it branching apart yeah. Or so, like uh, with Catholic to Anglican, one of the kings wanted to divorce, which wasn't allowed by Catholicism. So he started his own religion, kind of, I think. That's sort yeah. of how that worked. Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, it, that's one of those things that's like subjectively, I don't think there should be a thing. So I'm just going to, but I still believe in God and want to keep 99% of the other stuff. So I just toss out the thing I don't like, you know? So it's because I, I don't feel like, <laughs> so feels subjective. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, which is it's fine because you've you've you are an adult and you are capable of making those decisions for yourself, mm-hmm. and so you're going to determine your. I don't know what the word is. Compass. Let's say compass. You're gonna you're gonna let your compass be dictated by <clears throat> what makes sense based on your own moral your guys. personal experience your feelings your bias like how yeah. you were raised all, that, all those kind of things and like it's and you t- could like yeah you could apply a lot of things like in your life yeah like i mean we're pointing religion specifically because it's a really good example of subjectivity but like there's a lot of decisions and small ones even that you make in your life that you base on subjective information not necessarily well I, I, the next one i was going to use was philosophy in point because i think that nice from a <laughs> A secular viewpoint philosophy is a lot easier for people to digest uh even though it is just as wrought with opinion and bias and yeah. subjectivity because it's like it's like it's so funny i took a ton of philosophy in university and people get just as passionate about it as they do religion because oh yeah and they disagree about like hidden meanings and like what they were like philosophically speaking like what the best and th- have you ever seen uh the good place 
Uh, I know I haven't. I think you recommended it. I think no. this is like the third time you've recommended it's, it now. Yeah, like you, you you should really watch the show. So like there is a philosophy professor on that and he goes on again and again. Like basically he becomes paralyzed and can't make any choices because he has based his whole life on philosophy. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much, there's so many contradictory opinions about there. And I would say like secularism, like, might draw on philosophy, but when it comes to making other more important, like, um, distinctions, like, or when they're trying to figure out like morality or something like that, they tend to not, um, lean on philosophy as much, but that's besides the point. Like you're a hundred percent right there. There is, it's, it is wrought with a lot of opinions and, and contradictory points of view. And, um, or even arguments about like what the philosopher was actually trying to, what point they were trying to get. Across. Yeah. And I guess, I guess, I guess that's right. I shouldn't assume that because philosophy can easily become a secular perspective. doesn't mean that everyone who um, identifies that way believes in philosophy as a uh, ideological, like truth, right? Like, yeah. So I think, it's weird because like philosophy itself is, is is like at at its base, it should be seen as like um I don't, I don't even, actually I don't even want to do this. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off the definition of it because I'm like I don't want to I don't want to miss miss assume something. No, it's like uh, what was the what was the song in the nineties? Philosophy is the top of a cereal box. So what was that from? I don't remember. I don't remember. So, so according to my very basic Google search, philosophy is a study of the <laughs> fundamental nature of knowledge, reality, and existence, especially when considered as an academic discipline, right? So, yep. like, going back to what I said before I started getting caught up in my own thoughts about it, most people would, would use philosophy because it's, a, it's an easy way to go into those kind of discussions about life right so mm-hmm. but yeah sure d- but people don't necessarily have to believe or follow those tenets in order to have made up their own moral compass right mm-hmm. yeah so. for sure i think so, uh i do think a lot of people kind of get hung up on it sometimes just like they just like somebody would in religion as well hung like, up on religion right yeah same in the same sort of 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 sense like you know, the trolley exercise is like really, and they go into it on the good place as well. They talk about the trolley exercise. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. It's like I worn sure tracks. It's like, yeah, like, so on, you, you have a train barreling down. There's one set of tracks with like, let's say, um, five people. And there's another one with like one person, like, so, and you have control, like you can, you can't stop the train, but you can, uh, direct it to one set of tracks. And so like, it's, who do you save? So on the outset, you see five lives are worth more than one. It's like, okay. It's like, but then you start tossing stuff in. Like, what about if the one is a baby and the five are all 90 years old? Or like, what about if the five are like Nazis and the ones like, um, a Nobel Peace Prize winning scientist. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah. once you start tossing in a lot of those uh, sort of um, outside factors, it like 
uh, biases your decision to which way you should go. And it's like an interesting thought exercise, but like, does it tell you, I, I guess in a way it might tell you about somebody's moral compass, but like, I think people get fixated on it, like maybe a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I, I was listening to this really interesting, um, I was listening to this really interesting Ted talk today talking about motivation and the guy, I can't remember specifically what the guy said, but his, if you look it up, it's called the puzzle of motivation. And he talks about um, the candle problem and how like people can be creative. Um, and when they are driven by incentives, um, they, they'll do much better if, if the puzzle is simple, but if it is a creative problem, they, that they can't do it as quickly because they can't see beyond the scope of the problem. So just, okay. I, I know there's not a direct line of thought to this, but what I'm trying to say is when it comes to creative thinking or it comes to um, broader concepts of truth, i.e. not objective truth, but like things that it's like nuanced, of course mm-hmm. you're going to run into that issue because people aren't prepared to deal with that problem. And, and it's, you're making a snap decision about this trolley problem. You're like, well, they have to, everyone's going to bring in their own biases. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what seems like a common sense problem all of a sudden becomes a can of worms. It becomes super complicated, which is kind of the point. It's that's really the point of the exercise. Like it's the same, yeah. like not most problems in life, even the ones that seem simple aren't actually all that. So they can become complicated in a hurry, especially yeah. if you uh, bring in a lot of outside factors or biases into it. And so, and so in, in most situations, what he's describing in this talk is about the candlebox problem is that in most situations in life now, at least in the Western world, and especially in white collar envi- job environments, we, we treat people as if they're going to be doing uh, simplistic work mm-hmm. and we motivate them that way and we reprimand them that way but the problems are far more loosey-goosey because I can't think of a technical term than that <laughs> complicated complicated yeah well I didn't you said you just said that I don't want to repeat you so but, fair enough but so okay so they're less black and white they're less black and white again that like that's kind of a uh, cliche to say, but yes. Fine. God, can't win tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so circling back to the subjectivity and objectivity in art, mm-hmm. I think that is why it is, it's, it's not as simple as just saying art has to be subjective or art has to be objective. Mm-hmm. I think that if you understand the objective elements and the subjective motivations of people you can create art uh in whatever capacity you want so if you want to if you want to stir people up and you and you understand like how to make art or how to make certain kinds of art Mm -hmm. you're fully capable of doing that um so yeah totally 100 percent. yeah and even if that like that's not your goal if you're just like you know you just kind of want to exercise your creative muscle uh-huh. or you want to give it a shot. Like, again, like, I don't think I'm super creative, but like, uh, I keep su- kind of surprising myself. It's funny. Cause like, okay. So, uh, so my daughter, uh-huh. she 
bought this she was super interested and she bought this book uh basically like learn how to draw like simple animals right yeah and so she tried a few times kind of got frustrated and i gave it a go i'm like well mine are gonna be way worse than yours and i ended up actually drawing like some really good animals i draw i drew this like kick-ass unicorn it was like awesome Mm -hmm. i'm like i didn't think i could ever do anything remotely because i can't draw i can't draw stick figures for christ's sake but it just kind of goes to show that it's like um even you don't think you can do it like all you sometimes kind of all you need is like that foundation correct and then you can just take it and kind of go your own way from there and yeah but it's but i mean but like you said right like uh, i can be objective and subjective but like the objective tools that you learn like gives you the basis to then take that and turn around and and make all kinds of cool subjective like um feeling inducing art out of that yeah it's like it's like do you remember when steampunk stuff was like super popular in the early 2000s or thousands yeah yeah like people were like steampunk (laughs) marvel steampunk zombies steampunk whatever and it's like like steampunk everywhere fucking steampunk everything and it was like i know it was cool initially and like maybe it's just because like i i can only handle so much of something before it's like overstimulating and then i'm like this is no longer interesting to me oh totally i'm like that but but that is that was a prime example in popular culture of someone taking something neat and something else neat and like thrusting them together and saying ta-da look what i've done yeah exactly you just take steampunk and toss it on anything else it's the same thing with the the um the zombie genre right like zombies have been done to done to death (laughs) (laughs) yeah but like uh (laughs) tongue firmly in cheek but yeah, I mean, there was like Marvel zombies at one point, and because it's, so it's funny you said steampunk Marvel because I immediately thought of Marvel zombies. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's one of those, but it was kind of an intro. Like, I mean, it's not something that I would recommend for everyone. I think you kind of probably had to be a fan of Marvel and to zombies. Like the Venn diagram is very small for it. I, I read but, all four uh, volumes of it. I loved it. It was awesome at the time, and it's like, it's I, yeah, it's awesome I because it was like. like because the yeah, whole was concept really is sorry we keep cutting each other off go ahead you yeah, finish no, your fine. thought i'll hold mine okay yeah, okay i thought it was like uh really all i was gonna say is like i thought it was like a really interesting take like zombies like i said they've been done and done and done and yeah. it's just like they've been beating that dead horse for years but when he came up with that and i was skeptical i especially like the bruce campbell crossover that was pretty awesome yeah with the crossover with ash but like uh it was an interesting kind of take on the whole thing and I watched a YouTube video where they um, uh, pointed out how Marvel Spider-Man was actually the most sort of um, Spider-Man in-depth Spider-Mans. Yeah, like the most kind of in-depth version of the character that yeah uh, learned through more suffering and pain and stuff like that about who he was and mm-hmm. and um, you know how valuable his loved ones were Love to him. It was like a yeah, it was like a really fascinating take on it. I thought. So Absolutely. go ahead with your point. Now I'm kind of yeah. So what I was <laughs> going to say is that just the basic premise of the story was that uh, the reason why it even existed is that DC fans and other fans and people and even like the staff at Marvel would like see Marvel fans as zombies who just like consume anything and everything Marvel, and like obviously nice. that's still the case today. 
<clears throat> oh, totally. Um, so like it it was again tongue in cheek because it's like this this Marvel universe eats itself and they like they literally jump across the multiverse consuming other yeah that's right Marvel verses right so yep um, yeah it was a fantastic run but my my initial point about that is 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 I, again I think we've kind of made it really clearly but um, it's okay to do something neat. And in fact, in many cases, it'll be celebrated. But when you just start doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff, I think that's when we know it's not art anymore. And now we know it's uh, it's a commercial endeavor, or it's a uh, it's, it's it's a lack of creativity. Yeah, so where like, I was, you're getting you're getting into derivative then. Yeah. So where I was going with it was that um, subjective opinions often express subjective beliefs about truth right so if if we like marvel and we consume a lot of marvel and marvel artists see that they're going to make art about it not specifically but in that case Mm -hmm. they did so so that's where we know it's art is when it's like it's like it's clever and it's interesting and it's it has meaning so what you're talking about with your daughter, where it's like, oh, I, I'm not very good at art, and I don't know how to make animals. Like, yes, we could absolutely hold you to a standard where we say, objectively, this is good, and objectively, that is bad. But mm-hmm. then you're not making art anymore at that point. Now you're just, it's just an exercise. So if all art is objective, then art doesn't exist. Yeah, oh, for sure. Right? Because yeah, I, totally, I, I totally agree with that. Because again, art is an expression. Art is not exclusively a practice mm-hmm. so um, yeah i'm totally totally down yeah. do you uh have any other points you want to touch I have, on I have, a, I have a few more points i'm i'm, okay. I'm like i'm starting to wind down but I, <laughs> so, <laughs> okay i still have, i still have a few more points uh, you're running out of gas that's why i ask <laughs> okay so um i think another thing i just want to mention is that it's in in art i think it's important to develop an informed opinion um, and an objective opinion about what makes something uh, a form of art so in any field whether that's in music or film or comic books or painting or whatever um, you shouldn't just be like driven entirely by instinct or your gut reaction. And Chris, I think you can you can attest to mm-hmm. that. Like over the years we've been friends, I think your your tastes have developed in that regard. Like there's a there's a strong period for you where it's like I just really like this kind of stuff and I like that kind of stuff. But like I think I'm I, maybe maybe I'm speaking for you, but would that's you agree fine. that that's the case? Like you've you're starting to broaden your objective views and you can appreciate other things and Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like I started out very stubborn and very uh locked into what I thought was objectively good. And now it's I'm more like I don't really like that, but I could see why somebody else might. Right. So and that's kind of just me opening up as like a person. Mm-hmm. So an objective view yeah. is one that focuses on the object's physical characteristics as a source of information about that object. So this is a expressionist painting. You don't have to like it, but you can identify it as such, right? Or yeah. this is a uh, anime style show. 
uh, and it's based in this period of time, and you can say whether you like it or not, but you're you're defining what it is and the quality is can be discussed, but but your taste is 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 your own. You don't have to like it or dislike it. Exactly. Yeah, um, and that's like something that I've think I've well, I've struggled with in the past, but I'm kind of learning to separate as I as I get older. Exactly. And so then we and, and so if, if I need to 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 make an even stronger case for what I mean by that is like if we look at color theory, we can identify how colors mix together and what colors work well together and create really interesting new colors or um, intensities or tones or temperatures. Because that was something I was taught in school. Does that mean that I followed that specific expression that my teacher taught me? No. In fact, yeah. I would say of those three characters on the on the um, color pyramid, because like there's the color wheel, which is all the different colors and the the uh, ranges of the colors and how they interact with each other. The okay. color pyramid is the three levers of color, just like how like in in a project, there's the three levers of time, money, and quality. Mm -hmm. When it comes to color theory, there's three levers of temperature, i.e. warm and cool. Okay. Intensity, so being vibrant, so it could be like really bright versus or, or really dark. Muted. And tone, which is black to white. Okay. So when you learn all those things, you can appreciate different stylistic choices, different um feelings that are that are able to be evoked in the art because of those stylistic choices like all those things that come naturally to someone who's like a master painter or master illustrator or master animator it's because they have the color or if theory. it's lego a master builder yeah <laughs> <laughs> or a designer got to be careful not yeah. to forget graphic designers um, yeah yeah exactly but um in, in terms of criticism, we have to be, we have to be super careful not to use inductive reasoning in our mm -hmm. criticism because on the other side of it is like, okay, you can understand all these technical aspects, but I think what happens as you get better at uh, identifying objective aspects of art is mm -hmm. you then want to start to like identify what makes something good and then just put a blanket statement across everything that's good and say, Here's the golden ratio. So you're talking about the rule of thirds in photography. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to like, I didn't want to like knock your idea down because <laughs> a, it's still a truth, but, but, but the other aspect of that is that when it comes to those rules, people in, in history are uh, historians, critics, all that they, they want to under underpin that idea and, and kind of, prove why it exists and why it's a masterpiece they want to rationalize it right so they use inductive mm -hmm. procedures to say oh if it if it like if it's a um fuck what's it called is it uh, uh there's a word um in nature what's that called the the spiraling shape oh Oh, the, the, the golden ratio, the golden, yeah, there's like, an actual, the Fibonacci, like Fibonacci sequence, right? The Fibonacci? Like the, yeah. Cause the Fibonacci sequence follows the, like the golden, um, 
golden the spiral, circle or the, the golden, spiral, golden spiral. Was. I just yeah. couldn't think of the word was those. I kept thinking yeah, of like, so like it's the they reference it a lot in the movie Pi, which you should totally watch because Pi is awesome. Yeah, really I mean, like up, I, sp- really I spent a fair amount of time researching this stuff and looking into it just because mm-hmm. I was curious. At the end of the day, I still think that it's us trying to sterilize and define what makes something good um, instead of spending time um, enjoying the, the creative stuff. Yeah. I think that one in that one in particular, it's that one's more, that example is more of a, uh, an attempt to uh, marry like um, math with uh, art or like naturally occurring um phenomenon in nature or whatever yeah like uh like the like a flower if you you can you know draw the 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 spiral out from for example right i think it's like sort of a um an attempt at that maybe at least that from what i've read about it like that's the sense that i get but i don't know maybe not what do i know um but yeah i mean it's funny actually uh i've i've heard people say that like math and art are like um two different languages trying to get this like trying to convey a similar point yeah if i i find also find that interesting too yeah exactly no i agree with you i i, I agree absolutely that that's the case they're both languages trying to express um two sides of the same coin mm-hmm. which is objective truths and subjective feelings mm-hmm. um so so like the again the claim of the golden ratio is that in all pictures that are that exist that are awesome and well renowned and loved and it's like they're they all feature that concept within them and so that like i said the danger with that like inductive reasoning is that it, it it's it suggests that if you follow that pattern you'll be able to create art but that's not true <laughs> no and it also then it, it pigeonholes pigeonholes you into it like a, a very specific bias of that any art that doesn't follow that sequence is, is henceforth bad. not great or or it's not it, it could be good but not great yeah so in order to be great you have to have the spiral and it's like mm, see then you're kind of then you're kind of interjecting your own personal bias Correct. because you've seen and i think it's that comes down to people trying to explain and quantify um everything and which i i I don't know like is i mean like it's uh, i think it's like a an interesting exercise and it's it's worth like it's worthwhile but we probably as a species like won't ever know the answers to everything so perfect not that we shouldn't try yeah, like not we shouldn't try, but um, we should. We also need to be really careful about pigeonholing, um, uh, getting pigeonholed into specific biases, like like saying that um, we'll never travel like they do in Star Trek because warp technology, like faster than light travel, is impossible. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay impossible based on how we understand the universe and the laws of physics it might actually be impossible but it might be that it's not 
and we just don't know how. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I, and I'm not saying that it is or that like, and it's like, I'm not saying that it is possible in any way. And based on what we know about like physics and everything, it is impossible. But there's that like, there, there's that sliver of percentage that could be maybe we just don't understand enough of the the how naturally the occurring works. universe to, to, to have the universe works to make it happen. Maybe, mm-hmm. like maybe, and maybe we're pigeonholing ourselves because, uh, you know, we were convinced at one point we ne- could never leave the earth and could never visit the moon. We did that. So mm-hmm. that was once impossible. So it's one of those things that we've got to be really careful about, I think. Absolutely. And I think people... um. Yeah, just they fall into that trap pretty easy where it's like absolutely that has to be this. It's like, does it though? <laughs> okay, so yeah. l- last point I want to make one, one, one last okay. point. Um, I think with all of that said, no matter what <laughs> what level of expertise you are at as an artist, and when it comes to mm-hmm. objective things and subjective feelings, uh, your opinion does matter. No matter what, no matter who you talk to or who you are or who the other person is, especially if it, you're if you're getting closer to those objective truths and the identification of the subjective aspects of it, because when it comes to art, it's actually a meritocracy. It's, it's, it's based on ability and it's based on experience. So art continues to grow organically because our ability as a species is like broadening because it was like what you're talking about with the, with the space exploration thing. We couldn't have done that 50, 60 years ago. Is it 60 years ago now? Maybe it's 70. It was the, for which when did we start really getting into space exploration? Was it the 1950s or 1960s? Uh, or like the, the initial 50s. like steps. So I guess that'd be seventy years. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, the I want to say the Russians launched, launched like an unmanned uh, probe like into Earth's orbit before the Americans. I just don't know if it was in the early sixties or late fifties. But the fifties, I think, is when it began. Sure. I just so, don't know like when when we got to putting something in space, right? Right. But 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 to your point about uh ev- evolutionary uh like trajectories for whatever field we're in mm-hmm. like it's always moving forward when it comes to art so what was capable mm-hmm. or what was acceptable in art even 10 years ago has has adapted and if you want to look at it like from a popular culture perspective let's look at uh rating guides or types of networks for television of like what is acceptable to show on those things like mm-hmm. you can see how those how those ideological views shift or expand so um i, I guess what i'm trying to say is like it's okay to have a voice it's it is it really mm-hmm. is it's okay to have a voice you don't okay you don't have to be the voice but you, you can have a voice mm-hmm <laughs> Maybe, no, maybe I, I was yeah, like, I, it's like, it's like, what's that stupid George Lucas quote? Uh, it's like well, poetry. It rhymes. I, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> of course he said that. Uh, wow. But yeah, I mean. I fit that in there. I fit Star Wars and I did it. 
<laughs> Yay! I said the I said let the force flow through you earlier. So we got two Star Wars references in on this podcast without even trying. I'm sorry, everybody who's sick of us talking about Star Wars. I'm also not sorry. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like all good points, and I mean, like, yeah, I I 100 agree with all that. I mean, it's it's all. It's all like really fascinating stuff to just sit like I think and, and, and think about. Like you said, to to kind of bring it back around to the beginning of the podcast, spending some time in your own head, right? Mm-hmm. It's all like, yeah, like just really interesting points of view to consider. And, and like when it comes to art, it's just like, it's the cool, like I said, it's the cool thing about it, right? Like almost mm-hmm. anything could be art. It's subjective. It's ever evolving. It's ever changing. And like, um. You know, we, we should try. We should we should try to have less barriers and not more, and not get like pigeonholed into things. And, so. and and like anything in life, it's it's awesome when you can see that progression within yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Personal growth is like the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, do you, I? I think that's, I, I'm done now. I don't have anything else. I, to yeah, say yeah. I was, I was gonna say yeah for now. <laughs> like it, like as with most topics, and especially when we're talking about art, I think Tim could just go on for hours. But yeah. in the interest of our listeners' time, <laughs> I think we'll uh, just just um, uh, cut it off here, and and we'll just uh, maybe save it for another time if we revisit the subject or yeah, we talk about another really one. Wants to talk about or was really interested in let us know because i am happy to to expand yeah exactly and and i'm sure we'll touch on this in another topic or at some point then down the line come back and revisit it so because again it's like very fascinating thing i think to 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 ponder and think about so Mm -hmm. so with all that said thanks for joining us this week please like comment subscribe if you're able rate the podcast wherever you listen or if there's something you really want to talk about email me at conferculture at gmail.com. That's C-O-N-F-E-R-C-U-L-T-U-R-E at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm objective. <laughs> You're objectively Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and this has been Confer Culture. Confer Culture.